Good morning. Welcome to Trinity. We're so glad to have you worshiping with us this morning. It's a special day. Today we get to celebrate the fact that we belong to this great cloud of witnesses we call the saints. Today we get the opportunity to baptize six new members into the family of God. It's going to be a special day for us. It's also a special day for us because today is the day we're also receiving our gold cards. So if you're new, you're just joining us. Um, we decided that maybe we need a little more space to welcome more people into our church, you know? And so uh, we're going to be moving down the road uh, to Shambly, not too far from here. We're super excited about that. And we've had kind of a month of discernment where we've been praying about what we might uh, be able to give to help us to get into that new space. And um, today in faith, not only are we getting baptized and baptizing our kids, we're also in faith taking a big step with our Lord into this journey. It's an exciting day for the life of our church, for sure. Recently, I read two articles in The Atlantic about Oprah. And not something I'm always reading about, but the articles are definitely interesting. And they told an amazing story of a really poor black girl who had grown up in Mississippi, had been abused raped and become pregnant as a child. And she had so many things going against her, especially in her time as she was a child, that many of us would think that her life was going nowhere. And of course, as you know, Oprah is now one of the richest women in all of the planet, right? If you think about successful people, she would be right there in the top of what it looks like to become successful, And what does she attribute to her success? Well, she gave these words. I have always known. I have always known that I was born for greatness. I just always knew. I just always knew. She was destined for greatness and she knew it since she was a kid. By the way, a lot of people, perhaps like you, did not like her answer. I mean, how many other poor black girls from Mississippi also knew they were born for greatness and yet continued to live and die on the margins? Who does Oprah think she is that the universe would choose her? Well, whether we like her statement or not, let's just suspend our judgments for a moment, okay, and ponder this question. What is it like to live your entire life with a sense that you were destined for greatness? What would it be like for you to live your entire life with a sense that you were destined for greatness? This morning, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the saints who are in Ephesus. And he actually wants them to live with a deep sense of destiny. It's a different sense than it was for Oprah, of course. Two major difference being he wants them to know that God has a destiny for them in Christ. That their destiny is actually some, the good news of the result or something that God has done for them in Christ. 
And secondly, their destiny is not about some individual journey to greatness that they're going to kind of achieve on their own and kind of have one single name that they will be known by. Rather, their destiny is a common, shared, glorious destiny that they will share with all the saints. In Ephesians 1, Paul is weaving together a variety of words to paint a glorious destiny of the saints. And in this tapestry, we see words like chosen and destined, inheritance, fullness, hope, and power. And any one of these words would make a great sermon this morning. And they are so interwoven in the passage, it would be hard for us to tease them apart from each other. But if I had to create a sentence to sum it all up, I might say that the message of Ephesians 1 sounds something like this. God has destined you in Christ for a good and glorious future together with all the saints. God has destined you in Christ for a good and glorious future together with all the saints. Well, what is that good and glorious future? I want to talk to you about that for the next few moments. It's not there in your bulletin, but if you have a Bible or if you have a Bible app on your phone, I want to start a little bit further back toward the beginning of Ephesians. In Ephesians 1, verse 3, Paul says this, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. Friends, you are blessed in Christ and chosen before human history to be what? Holy and blameless, which is another way of saying you were chosen to be saints. Friends, you were destined for sainthood. Sometimes when we think of saints, we think of saints in a more narrow sense of the word, right? Which is, uh, you know, those who were recognized or somehow canonized or venerated in the church, right? And we know their names. There are saints like St. Clair of Assisi or St. Teresa of Calcutta or St. Oscar Romero and so on. And certainly, of course, we champion, we champion these heroes of the faith, right? Those who have in such profound ways demonstrated for us what it looks like to live like Christ in the world, right? And so we're thankful for them. But at the same time, we need to also remember that in the New Testament, when they use the word saints, it's always in the plural. They're never referring to a saint in particular, but it's always the saints. They're always referring to the church, God's holy people. In English, we actually have two words, so it's a little confusing. We have this word holy that comes from like the Germanic, like in German, heilig. We got that word holy. And then for saint, we use this word saint that comes from the Latin, right? But in most languages, it's just the same word. Like in Spanish, we pray santo, 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 es el Señor, right? Holy, holy, holy. And we, always talk, we also talk about los santos, the saints. It's the same word word. And this morning, I am here to remind you that in Christ, God is making you holy 
and blameless. Friends, you have been destined for sainthood. Secondly, I want to remind you that you were destined for adoption. Paul continues in verse five saying this, you, he, sorry, God destined you for adoption as children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us, the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. At Jesus' baptism, God the Father spoke over him. This is my son. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. You are my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And today, as you are baptized, and for those of us who were baptized as we were baptized, God speaks these same words over us in adoption. He says, you are my daughter. You are my son. You're adopted into the family. I love the words according to the good pleasure of his will. In other words, this is something that makes God happy. Today, God's destiny for you is being actualized. Today, you're being adopted into the family according to his good pleasure. It's not about something you have done or accomplished or something God owes you. It's the result of God's grace. It's a free gift for his beloved. You have been destined for adoption into God's family by grace. And third, you have been destined for a glorious inheritance. And Paul describes his prayer for the Ephesians in verse 17. It's right there printed in the bulletins. And in the last few moments of our time here in this sermon, I want us to focus on this prayer. And this prayer has also become my prayer for those who are being baptized today. And it's my prayer for all of you today. And it's also my prayer for myself. And this is how the first part of the prayer goes. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. Now, I want you to notice that he's writing to people who have already put their faith in Christ. And these people have already been baptized. And yet they still need a spirit of wisdom and revelation as they come to know him. The NIV translates it well. It says, as you come to know him better. And what Paul is getting at is that, yes, they already know him, but they can know him better. Yes, they have already received the gospel message, but there is a deeper revelation to have. Friends, this is good news. There is more. Something has begun, but there is more. Baptism is the start, but it's not the finish. There's more to know. There's more wisdom and more revelation that God has in store for us. The good news this morning is that in Christ, there is always more. And then he goes on to say that the Father may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. 
so that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may perceive what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. Paul is telling us that it's possible to have a hope, a glorious inheritance, and an immeasurable power, and yet not be able to see it. We can fail to recognize what we have. This past week, I was reading an article about a woman named Marlene Engelmann, who is a 30-year-old German heiress, and her grandmother passed away and is leaving her, uh, along with a lot of other grandkids, but she will probably inherit around $1.3 billion, just a small portion of what the owner of BASF is leaving for her grandkids. She was raised in a chateau in Austria. She was educated at the best schools. And it had me wondering, I wonder what it's like to grow up like her, always knowing that you're destined to become one of the richest people in the world. And then there is another story in the news about a man from China, and it's pretty funny. He won the lottery. So he's from a small town, like a small city that hardly any of us, I'm sure, would know. And he won the lottery, and he showed up with a costume on so his picture wouldn't get taken, that no one would know who he was. And he's actually hiding the fact that he won $30 million from his family. <laughs> and the reason why is he doesn't want his, his wife and his son to get lazy. And if they, he knows that they have 30000 they'll get lazy and not work hard. I thought that was pretty funny. There is a sense in which I wonder what it would be like to be that son. Growing up in a house where you think your dad is just some middle class guy, but he's really worth $30 million. Growing up thinking that if you don't work hard for everything, you won't have anything. But in reality, you are destined to have more than you will ever need. I'm actually kind of sympathetic to the Chinese father. Not on the wife part, that's just wrong. But (laughs) on the son part, I can see where he's coming from. I think he's right. I think knowing you have an inheritance will affect how the son lives in the world. And I think he's right about that. Paul's prayer for us this morning is that we would actually know. That we would perceive what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints. And he wants that to inform the way that we live in the world. People of hope and people of power. Six of our friends are going to be baptized into the communion of all saints this morning. They are becoming with us co-heirs with Christ. They are being adopted into a family far richer than BASF. They are inheriting an everlasting kingdom. Not only will they have access to the riches of the kingdom, 
they will also have access to the power of the kingdom. Because the, the rulers of our world, they actually have a measured power because that power is kept in check by the other powers. But in Paul's prayer, he prays that we would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. For above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in every age that is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and made him the head over all things for the church. Get this, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The power that raised Christ from the dead and raised him in the heaven and set him above every power that is, is the same power that lives in you. And then Paul goes on to say that Christ is the head of the church and the church is literally his body. It is the fullness of Christ who fills all things. What does it mean that the body is the fullness of Christ who fills all things? Friends, I want to encourage you to ponder this question, not just here as you go home from here. Go home and pray about it, reflect on it, study it. Think about it when you're driving in your car and when you're doing the laundry. I don't think there is any other verse in the entire Bible that caused me to turn to the direction of historic Christian orthodoxy other than Ephesians 1, 23. I grew up knowing about the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and I am so thankful for that. But I had no idea about the fullness of Christ that could be found in the body of Christ. I didn't have an adequate theology for Ephesians 1, 23. And so I had to go find a church that would have a, a theology capable of containing uh, such a verse. I encourage you to ponder this idea. What does it mean that the fullness of Christ is in the church? My prayer for you is that you may be filled with wonder as you reflect on the meaning of your own baptism. May the spirit inspire you and remind you of your destiny to be made a saint to belong to God's holy people, to be adopted in Christ and co-heirs with Christ, sons and daughters of God. May God open the eyes of your heart that may you may know what the riches of the glorious inheritance among the saints made available to you in the death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord. Friends, God has destined us in Christ for a good and glorious future, together with all the saints. Amen.